Hi, and welcome to the Ward and Katie Wilsey podcast. I'm Ward Wilsey, and I'm the CFO of HHS, headquartered in the Austin, Texas area. I'm also a former private bank wealth advisor and practicing attorney. And I'm Katie Wilsey, a licensed Texas real estate agent. We live in the Lake Travis area right outside of Austin with our four kids, two dogs, and one cat. We've been through it all with money, broken in debt to debt-free and wealthy. We're continuing to build our wealth and live happier lives. We're here to talk to you about your money, how to earn more, save more, and invest more. We'll talk about the mistakes we've made and how we've learned from them. We'll give you advice on how you can get control of your financial lives, get out of debt, and be on your way to financial success. So buckle up and get ready to take notes because here comes another episode of The The Ward and and Katie Katie Wilsey Podcast. That was a lot better than the first time we did. All right, welcome to the Warden Katie Wilsey podcast. How are you doing, Katie? I am good. It's Thursday the 9th and day 10,025 of quarantine. Yep. And I'm hanging in there. Today um, Today was interesting because I had a, an appointment today at 1 o'clock. I had a client with a... Um, new home buyer's orientation. And it's amazing how much you can get done when you have something on your calendar. True. Right? Like, I mean, I guess it's, it's like a deadline in a sense. But I was so productive this morning before my meeting because I just, I knew I only had it from morning till noon. So... That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think we're just all hyper-analyzing everything at this point, but I found that I was very productive today. I made homemade banana bread and got a bunch of laundry done and got some work done and went for a run, blah, blah, blah. So, um, anyhow, it was, it was good. It was productive. Good stuff. Is the real estate market just completely too, to hell in a handbasket? You know... I, like, I want to say yes, but no, there's still houses going pending every day, you know. there's The inventory is scarce of what's going on the market, right? There's, I don't know, when I look, I see 10 to 15 houses going live a day. That's compared to... 40, 50. No, like 150, 200 a day before... So the numbers are down. Uh, I think I read that we're down 28% from last week to last week a year ago. And, um, but like California is down 52%. New York is down 68%. Uh, Italy was down 89%. Wow. So like other places that have been affected by this, we are way lower, 28%. Yeah, it doesn't seem, I mean, in Texas anyway, I mean, the coronavirus is, I mean, it's obviously sad, like some people are dying, but it's very, 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 very few. It's nominal. Yeah, we have more people dying from pneumonia than we do this right well, now. now everyone who dies from pneumonia, they say it's coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So anyhow, the market is, is soft, like it's just sitting there. It's, it's no one's market because sellers aren't convinced that this is the end because it's not right. So they're not lowering their price. Like I'm not seeing a lot of price 
reductions right now. There's no smoking deals or there's no more than there was on the other side of this. I don't think anyone is going to sit there and go, oh, I'm going to lower my price. Like, that takes a lot of time. Like, in 2008, like, I feel like it was a year after that. Well, yeah, and I think you need to feel the crunch for a little bit longer than a month or well, especially two when all the all the mortgage companies are... They're, they're not making you forgiving pay right a now. month or not forgiving, but they're doing the forbearances. Well, everyone I've talked to is like, yeah, they said, yeah, you don't have to pay for three months. So if that's the case, then no one's going to sit there and sell for the next three months. Right. No one's going to be forced to. Yeah. So no one's feeling well. And even that puts consumers in a more confident place too. like the person that wasn't even going to sell, like they're in a yeah, three months Three months Rent before free, they need month to, mortgage right, free, mortgage-free, since their house isn't going on. It. Yeah. So, and that, we're going to see that all over the place. Every industry, we have bailouts happening. Right. Therefore, no one's going to feel desperate. Immediately. Now that there's going to have consequences down the road. There will be consequences. Things will shift. Things will change. Especially if this goes longer than the eight weeks that they originally planned for, which it will. Like, it just has to. We're shut down until May 4th, and we've, in my mind, we kind of shut down March 1st, even though it might have been, like, March 12th or something like that, but really March 1st is when things started getting weird. Right when he announced the travel ban on Europe. Or, yeah, yeah, really there, but when South by Southwest got canceled, right? And we talked about that, too, so, and even two weeks leading up to that, because remember how I said, well, two weeks ago, I would have said, oh, there's no way that they would cancel this, and here they did. So I would say March 1st is an easy number, a date, and so we've done all of March, we're doing all of April, and we're going to go into May, so it's going to be longer than eight weeks, and I think that's when um, we'll start to see people get squeezed. You know, like we have a, a tenant that emailed us and said, okay, I was able to pay April, but we're going to have a problem with May. Right. We're going to need help. Right. So. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, so I think we're going to see more of that type of thing. It's like, okay, I had enough reserve to get me through one month of this craziness or maybe two, but not more, not than, more that. than that. Yeah. And even a lot of these small businesses, while they're getting help, most of the help is for their employees. If you right. look at that, the, the paycheck bailout, it doesn't include your check. Well, no. Like if anyone who made less than a hundred thousand, so for owners who made less than a hundred thousand, they can include themselves in in that calculation. Yeah. So basically, the, but maybe the, they didn't make less than a hundred, and they've got a mortgage that matches that, not less than a yeah, hundred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the challenge with that thing. Like, so basically, you can take your average payroll for last year, and that's payroll, that's medical uh, insurance. Um, you know, uh, like PTO that you had to pay out, things like that. Take your average monthly and multiply it by two and a half, and that's the loan you can get. And then once you get the loan, whatever you pay out in payroll over the eight weeks after that, you get forgiven. So it's an interesting way, like, of... I mean, it is a bailout, but it's it, it's interesting because, you know, in 2008, the Fed did you know, all these, like, unemployment, they did, then they eventually did quantitative easing. This is a little different, because they're just, they're doing the same thing, they're putting money in the hands of businesses, and I guess hoping that that's 
Well, in a, in a, I, I kind of think it's wiser, right? I mean, even though we've had, I don't know, I think it said 6.6 American, million Americans applied for unemployment. Yeah, 6.6 million applied last week. That brings the total number of applications to 17 million since the pandemic. 17 million. 17 million. And it's actually higher because this, this is as of, I think, yesterday or the day before. Yeah, so the, the forgivable loans, in a sense, are trying to help with that issue right there. If they can get companies to not lay off their workers, then they continue with medical, they continue right. with all their benefits, and that company and will hopefully continue to thrive. Right. So it's it's doing three things with one stone. Um, it's just clearly, from those numbers, not enough. It was a record, at the end of March, a record, I'm reading an article from the Wall Street Journal, a record 7.5 million Americans were receiving unemployment benefits. Continuing claims, a figure that captures the number of people drawing on benefits, grew by 4.4 million in the week ending March 28th to 7.5 million in total. That eclipsed a record set in 2009 at the end, end of the financial crisis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy because you would think it's going to go up. So, it will go up. Because there's people that... Like we just said, they're going to get to like week eight and they're going to be like, okay, I'm drowning. I can't do it anymore. Like I have to stop the bleed. I have to start laying off people. Yeah. And I mean, then now they're going to have to apply for unemployment. Apply so for unemployment. this mess, this is a, this is going to be a long time to clean up, I think. Yeah. What's interesting too is, I mean, obviously like the sheer volume of debt that's that's by the government by businesses by people is going to be astronomical as well like here's another article the federal government budget deficit is on track to reach a record records 3.6 trillion in the fiscal year ending September 30th and 2.4 trillion the year after that according to Goldman Sachs estimates Businesses are drawing down bank credit lines and tapping bond markets. That's for large businesses. Preliminary signs are emerging that credit that some households are turning to credit for funds too. So this is like what we always talk about about having reserves. Like this is the indication that people, businesses, there's just no reserves. Like people don't have like because if you think about it, people this call for the government to you know, send checks to people and do the bailout. It was like a week after this thing happened. Oh, it was I mean, instantly. There's so many people who can't even, they can't go a month, you know, much less like what we talk about, like three to six months. And it shows, you know, ultimately the importance because I think, I think a lot of people are going to think, oh, the government's going to take care of it and bail it out. Well, number one, that's not true. Like these stimulus checks aren't going to go that far. And number two, there's consequences to that. Like the government taking on huge debt and printing money, there could be massive inflation. And, you know, it didn't happen after 2008, like people thought, but I mean, the government's playing Russian roulette. And at some point, like there's going to be massive inflation from the government, just printing money to do these bailouts. And, you know, at some point, we need to, as, as Americans go, like we need to take care of ourselves and not rely on the government as a backstop. 
Yeah, that's crazy. So a word I've been tossing around all day today is the word pivot. Yep. And just like thinking about like small businesses and how they can pivot and how you can, you know, uh, react, respond and figure out a way to take advantage of this. And I was listening to a podcast earlier today that a hairdresser called in and was like, I own a hair salon and was making it, you know, close to $10,000 a month. And now I make zero. And the host asked, like, how do you, what else can you do? Like, how do you, how do you pivot? Basically is what he was asking her. And I instantly thought of like, so my hairdresser is doing this and it seems like I would think every hairdresser is doing this is like gray kits or color kits. Like they're little, like my hairdresser is making these little temporary containers with instructions on how to cover your gray Mm. and she'll drop it off at your house. And it's smart. Like, that's what I mean by pivot. So it's like figuring out a way that like people still need you somehow. You were right. in their life for a long time. Now, how do you stay in front of them, get a little bit of their business? Obviously, you're not going to get a $130 hair color, but maybe it's a $20 touch up. And now they're indebted to you forever because you solved a problem for them. Yeah, you're using this two month period. You're going to be hurting, but you're using it to building your brand everything put yourself ahead when we all come out yeah so and they had one on there this was another one where it was like um, a restaurant had to like shut down and figure out a way to do kind of a curbside thing and he was doing like top of the line steaks for a great price. And so everyone in town was going to him. So while he was charging a little less than he should have been, he ended up selling a ton. Or he is selling a ton more. And he's marketing in the process. And he's marketing the process. So it's just figuring out like there's so many different industries. There's so many different things. I think there's some that there might not be a pivot. But like what if you were to just get with your group of friends and you do a zoom call and you put a whiteboard up or everyone has a piece of paper and you say like, help me brainstorm. Yeah. What should I be doing? Like let's write down ideas and everyone focuses on you and your business for that time. And then maybe you shift to someone else's business. I I would say like for a lot of people, like one thing to think about is, you know, if you are out of work or it's slowed down is now the time to go out and start your own thing. So for instance, say you're a a waiter at a restaurant and you're out of work, you know, is now the time to think about opening your own food truck when, when things do come back. Cause you know, the food trucks down the road, like they're still, they're still doing fine. Or maybe that's a diversification of your brand. Like we have a big barbecue place out here, Salt Lake, and they have a food truck that they barely ever run. They use it for weddings and stuff. Guess what? It's no, keeping yeah. them alive right now. Yeah. Is it, you know, and if you can't afford a food truck right away, is it time to be cooking out of your house and delivering food? And I know there's laws against, against that, but I mean, guess what? Like it's people are it's, doing it right now. People do it right now. And there's also, I mean, a lot of people get same with, start. Indoor, same with indoor haircutting, by the way, just to be, <laughs> just to be honest. There is, uh, the um, farmer's markets are allowed and a lot of people 
get their start at a farmer's market, right? Like right. launching their food at a farmer's market. Well, I think you can also rent food trucks, by the way. Uh, you could, or, like or, or, or like think of even like, um, on Ranch Road 12, like as you go by, you know, that, that guy who sells like the, uh, tamales or whatever, the tamales or the shrimp, yeah. like just set up a food stand. Yeah. I think you just have to have a, a permit, a city permit to sell. You do. We're not going to give bad advice. It's like telling someone to go fishing without a fishing license. I'm not sure you do right now. So I'm just saying, well, I'm just saying like, don't. Like yes, you should obey the law. You and can do get what you all can, that though. So just but you can get all that. Yeah. yeah. So follow your your local laws and do that. But think about whether you want to go out on your own and do something right now instead of you know being beholden. Yeah. And well, and I think boys. oddly, in a weird way, the people that do have money probably have a little bit more money right now because they're not going out to eat every day, or they're not like yeah. you're probably finding that like you're you're holding on to a little bit more money than you normally did. And as a result, I'm noticing a lot of people that are looking for service providers. Can someone come clean my windows? Do you have looking, a lawnmower? Can you go mow someone's lawn? Put it out on exactly Facebook. Right. Hey, I'm looking to pick up some extra money mowing lawns. That's exactly right. And that was one of the callers today too. Is a kid that is 22 years old that started a lawn mowing business and he mows 80 to 100 lawns a month. He's making bank. Yeah. And he's looking to add someone to his portfolio. So doing that, our son was pressure washing trash cans, uh, mobile grooming, something where you saw can that the other day. come to someone's house. And so like a veterinarian, this would be an opportunity for them to pivot. I'm making driveway calls. Like, I'll, you can bring your dog out to the street and we'll have a nurse come and clip their nails and do just a general health right. screening. You don't need to be in a vet tech room to do a lot of the stuff they're doing. So there's just so many opportunities out there, I think, for people to pivot instead of freeze. Right. And a lot of people, what they knew is done or frozen right now. And so they're, they are freezing too and thinking I can't do my business right now instead of okay what does my skill set look like I'm going to use one of our friends for example that is a um, he's a kind of a contractor to they 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 do trucking yep and he is a middleman he sets he finds the person that needs a truck and connects them with the truck driver and gets them their materials well, while that, that industry might be kind of frozen in certain departments, certain departments are going gangbusters. So how do you pivot? Right. And I don't know what the answer is, but I've got to believe there's a way to shift. And that would be an easy one to freeze in and be like, I even think, what I know is no longer, therefore I can't do my right. job. I even think back to like when I was practicing law, because I did estate planning. And when I started in like 2005... You know, things were really good, even through the beginning of 2008. Then when 2008 happened, I mean, looking back, what we probably should have done is had me pivot to do, like, bankruptcy, like, loan loan, right. Re- right. loan restructuring, and I just... Tap into a different skill set. Yeah, and I just kind of sat there for... It, it took a while, but it was like, oh my gosh, like, there is not much, much business. And I should have just immediately gone, okay, we're going into a recession... 
let's move into this and just add that. And then look, when estate planning comes back, I'll do that too. Cause I already have that skill. Right. Set. And then you hire someone to maintain the bankruptcy on the side. Totally. Like, so it, it's interesting. It's sometimes it's really easy to see from the outside and so difficult to see on the inside. Cause you think this is all I can do. This is all I know. Well, and the reality is, is a lot of people are paralyzed by fear, especially cause they are going to be financially strapped. And well, and Right now, I think those are that's that's human nature. Fear is our biggest beast, right? But there's a lot of uncertainty with what's going on too, right? That we still don't have answers. Nothing's definitive. And for pretty much five weeks in a row, almost every day, if not every day, then every other day, we woke up to more bad news. Right. Right. Like that has never happened. There's been times where it's like we had a hurricane and we had two weeks of bad news. And you'd start to see the light at the end of the tunnel because the sun would come out, literally. Right. Like, this has been day after day after day. So I get the paralyzed. I get the... But I feel like there's got to be a resurgence of like, okay, guys, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and like, how do how do I respond to this? How do I react to this? How do I protect myself so that if this ever happens again, because guess what? It's going to happen yeah. again. Yeah. Right? Like, we're changed forever, I think. In some ways better, in some ways worse, probably. Like, I am an extrovert. I like to hug people. I like to socialize. I like having parties. I need to be around people. So I'm struggling with this right now. And the thought that, like, people... And even I'm finding myself not wanting to give people hugs. And that's a weird thing for me. So... We will be changed from this forever. Whereas I'm an introvert with an irrational feel, fear of being touched in the first place. So this is actually <laughs> great for me. I know. I've seen those memes that are like, hey, introverts, check on your extrovert friends. They're not doing so good right now. Fine <laughs> <laughs> for me. Interesting. All right. Should we talk about another real estate topic? Sure. All right. Homeowners relying on short-term rental income stung by a wave of coronavirus cancellations. So Airbnb, VRBO, that was the new investing and people were buying, you know, in vacation towns and and non-vacation towns, rural towns, anywhere and doing instead of your typical, you know, get a tenant who's going to be there for a year doing VRBO and Airbnb short-term leases. Um, and now a, they're all canceled. Yeah, here's an example. This is another journal, Wall Street Journal article. I'll make up her name. Sue Smith was all set to earn roughly $12,000 from April for short-term rentals for her historic home on 30 acres of Kentucky bluegrass between Lexington and Louisville. Then the Keeneland Racetrack, that's a huge uh, spring yep. event, the Keeneland Racetrack Spring Meet was canceled and the Kentucky Derby was postponed until September. Her take suddenly dropped to zero. Yeah. So that's... I mean, I mean look at all the mountain towns. I mean, my girlfriend has four, count that, four VRBOs in Park City and Deer Valley. And she was booking at four to $500 a night for two months straight and everything zero canceled, canceled, canceled. People aren't vacationing. You can't even vacation if you want to. So, so let's talk about that. 
Well, let me give you some stats real quick before I talk about it. Air DNA, a Denver-based analyst of the short-term rental industry, found that on days that would have seen bookings for the Boston Marathon this year, yep. revenue in Boston dropped over 78%. In Palm Springs, the Coachella and Stagecoach Festivals, that led to a 50% decline. Keeneland, which we went over, 42%. Austin, our town... South by Southwest cancellations led to a 40% drop. Yeah. And you're just looking at Airbnb. Think about all the other industries sure. impacted by this. Sure. Hotel, everything. But, but yes, yeah, to stay but focused. But for a rental, a rental income yeah. strategy, you know, let's talk about it. I mean, that's, that's risk right there. Like, Well, for starters, I think that insurance companies need to... There's going to probably be a change in our insurance companies. Where do you buy insurance for this? You buy insurance for a, a shutdown. Like, you keep, this is a hurricane. Well, I think if Airbnb was smart that they would just provide that insurance. Because right now, here's, listen to this. Airbnb announced that cancellations due to coronavirus for bookings between March 14th and May 31st. They were made before March 14th. So if you booked before this period... They would be covered by a $250 million host relief program. Host will be paid, repaid 25% of what they would have recouped uh, under, the con- under the cancellation policy. So they're basically getting 25% of what they would have got. So that's kind of like that insurance. But I think in the future they're going to say, hey, do you want this insurance? It's 1% of your, of your booking, and they'll turn it into another moneymaker. But I think... In the future, something important to think about is, you know, how do you insure yourself against this? And there's a couple of things. The first way you insure yourself against this is cash. Cash. Second way don't is, carry debt on it. It doesn't hurt yeah. you if you don't have it rented. Obviously, there's some other expenses beyond your mortgage when you own property, especially like that because you do have to pay utilities. Right. Uh, but and if you have contracts with property managers that. Because of the bookings, they may be required a fee. That well, pick. and a lot of these Airbnbs, like the difference between like like our rental properties, I bet a, I bet are like I bet eighty percent of rental property owners in the country are like us, where they have that two hundred thousand dollar property or under. Most of these, a lot of these Airbnbs, people are buying like million dollar homes and Airbnb. I mean, their margin is for air is so tight because they have huge mortgages. Except that I think a lot at that price point, a lot of it is people that it's their second home. True. And And now they're just trying to bank on it. So maybe, hopefully they could afford it. Yeah, a lot of them, I think they rely on the income. Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to dig into that. Um, I'll be honest with you. I still think Airbnb type homes is still a great strategy. It's just you need to have reserves for something like this but they, i mean the advantage of it is look at look at regular rental owners like us like we have we we don't have the ability to evict tenants temporarily right our hands are tied and we have to pay our mortgage yeah we don't have a mortgage for parents no we're not gonna do that like we gotta pay the mortgage right now we have reserves, so like we can we can afford it for right. the time being. Well, and and on top of that, we're the properties are not super expensive, so right. It's a yeah, it's a price point we can afford. So, um, so we feel a little bit more comfortable with that. 
with that though, we, and we were talking about this actually a little before, we are going to aim to pay them all off. Yeah. But we are looking, we aren't scared of a VRBO. No. Like- and actually, this industry, this, that will be the industry, I bet, affected the most by all these resort, resort towns. Yeah. I think, I think we need to wait. Like, I think it'll be, I bet it'll be a year before you really see the prices go down sharply. And it won't happen at all in the next six months because people aren't having to pay their mortgages. So they're not going right. to sell for fire sales. But people will start to look to gain, get more cash. Right. And so they may sell. Yeah. You know, like I think we'll see a lot of, a lot more activity. I, I think once people get back to normal, they're not going to quickly go on a lavish vacation somewhere. I mean, maybe they will. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I just think people will likely be a little bit more conservative with their choices that they make um, for fear that this happens again. So, but we, we don't hate the idea. We like the thought of short-term rental in and out still. Um, we would want to buy cash. We also, like... It would be real nice to have a getaway right now. Yeah. Like, we're stuck in this house, and if we were stuck in a house in the mountains with, like, beautiful views and scenery around, it would be nice. At least just for a change, you know, so... Yeah. Well, we did just get a hunting place, so we can go up there. Yeah. Um, So... Anyhow, uh, yeah, VRBO is still interesting, but it, it's, it, yeah, it's going to take a beating for a while. All right, stock market. Where is it at right now? U.S. stocks rose Thursday ahead of the Easter holiday week, weekend, heading for their biggest one-week rally of the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped 326 points, or one and a quarter percent. The S&P 500 added 1.5%. And that was Thursday. So there's been a big rally lately. Obviously, it, it just completely tanked. Right. And now it's... it's, it's on its way back. It's on its way back. Like, I mean, there's still... It's still a great time to buy because it's down. But, you know, I, I think with the... And the reason, you know... Because we talked about the unemployment. I mean, obviously, the economy is not great. But the central banks have stepped in with just a ton of support. And there's a ton of money and liquidity flooding. Now, theoretically, that should lead to inflation, like we said earlier, but for the stock market, the stock market should increase as a result. So we'll see. Like, And, and a lot of people are still It all just feels like funny money to me. The year. Yeah, it is funny money. I mean, right? like but, this... but, but it's not, because like, that eventually has to work its way into yeah. the economy somehow. So I, I think, you know... It's a great time to have cash and be investing. Like, I mean, stock market's still a good place to invest because it's going to go up over time. But you know, it's um, there. There could be consequences to to the economy in the form of inflation down the road. We'll see. Yeah, I would definitely say diversify your portfolio by having cash. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think most people do that. Well, I think I think the. Like what I, we're saying about the stock market, I mean, it, it goes without saying that, again, you should have three to six months of reserves before you start investing. But a lot of people think that, like, their their paycheck 
is like, I have a lofty paycheck, so that's my enough reserve, or I have enough in the stock market. There's my reserve. Or, but, but if you have, like, if you're I know. a million so what, in the stock market, what I'm saying is like 30%, you can't sell, right. like, or else you lock in the But losses. that's how people, a lot of people think. Or I, right. I own five commercial properties, or whatever. Like, I have plenty of money. It's right. like, no. Like, we are so retardedly disciplined that we have cash earning pretty much no interest just sitting waiting for us in case we need it for any time that we need it plus we have all these other things so that's what i'm saying by there diversify your portfolio by literally having just cash and don't worry about the interest on it this is your emergency fund you need three to six months like because cash is king like i know that's cliche but it really is right so i say we wrap up on that note um, one more. One more. What is it? It better be good. Safety advice: If you must visit the grocery store. No. Yes. Oh my gosh! Really, Ward? Yes. All right. Do you think it's safe to go to the grocery store? For an. For food. And, well, I, I mean, I was answering your question for a immunocompromised person no i don't i don't think it's safe for my mom to go to the grocery store um i i question even your parents going to the grocery store a little bit while they're healthy they're old and maybe our bodies break down a little bit as we get older so no i don't i think the gas station is just as dirty though like i think there's plenty of places that are just as gross but i am not scared at all yeah it's hard. They say use self checkout when possible and use hand sanitizers when you're done. Do you have hand sanitizer on you at all times? I do. Hooked on my purse. I have one in my car too. So like when I touch the gas pump, I clean my hands right afterwards. If I touch a bathroom door somewhere, I try to clean right afterwards. So I'm trying to be smart about it. Uh, but I'm not scared. I'm not scared for me at all. And that maybe that's ignorant, but I'm more scared that I would give it to somebody, especially someone that I love. Like, I would never want that. I think you would never know fully. Like, I would never know that I gave it to my mom, thank God. But um, I'm going to try to take every precaution I can to make sure that I don't. Should you wear a mask or gloves when going to the grocery store? Well, I, I listened to an article that said, why should I wear a mask? Because most of the masks aren't really doing anything other than that they're, one, protecting me from touching my face, which that seems to be the biggest issue is us putting the germs onto our face. So if you have a mask on, you've covered up your two biggest holes, your nose and your mouth. You've got your eyes left. An allergy season isn't good for that. But um, you have... You have made your own self-awareness there. Well, it also prevents, if you have it, from giving it to other people. I mean, just logically, they're saying it spreads through droplets from coughing and sneezing. If you have a mask, less droplets are going to go Less are going to go out, and less are going to come in, frankly. Yeah, it's like this is silly that the quote-unquote experts are saying it. when they Well, first of all, the CDC has changed course, and now they're saying... You should wear the mask, whereas before they were saying it doesn't have an effect, and well, that's because they, they needed them. I mean, that's why, like, you have a hard time even trusting these people. And 
you know, they're, they're saying also don't wear the N95 masks or surgical masks, which should be reserved for healthcare workers who are facing a shortage of protective equipment, which, I mean, that may or may not be true. I'll tell you that once this is over, I think it's a good idea for everyone to have their own stock of the N95 masks because they aren't, they aren't ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Obviously, there's a shortage now. What about wipes? Should you have wipes? Well, I don't, I don't have them. So to me, it's the same. I will say you wipe the germ all around. So if you don't throw that wipe away, yeah, that germ is sitting there and maybe you've just spread the germ all over. So if it's a bleach wipe, then yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think any preventative measure you can take, great, but I don't have any wipes. All right. And we should say we're not doctors, so we're just saying what common sense would dictate you should probably do. Just our opinion. Because it doesn't seem like the doctors, they always change their... Uh, well, no, I, I would say it, it seems like most doctors, doctors are actually... The, I, mean, I would say the experts, they seem to change what they say. Yeah, but I feel like that. all of my friends and all of the interviews I've seen on doctors, they're all kind of... They're saying the same thing. Um, and... Yeah, I mean... I think it's more like use common sense. Correct. Correct. You could have, I mean, my, my mom had a silly, I can't even think of that felt mask that she had over her mouth. And I was like, mom, that is not going to do anything. But then at the same time I was like, but it, it, but it does. It, it, yeah, it's certainly not going to hurt anything and it could prevent something. Do you want to shout out for your friend who's making the uh, masks? Yeah. So, Pilly Q is a... How do you spell that? P-I-L-Y-Q. Probably P-I-L-Y-Q dot com. No, the website is P-Q-Swim dot com. Okay. It's an international swim designer uh, out of San Diego, good friend of mine. She is making cute masks, like some of them match some of the bathing suits. She also has a black one, as of, and they're Lycra. As of last night, she had um, water safe or something. There's some other term that they're using with masks, uh, men's ones that she put on there last night. So definitely, and they're, I think they're $12 a mask, $12.50 a mask. You buy one, she donates one, and 5% of all proceeds go to COVID relief. I have a feeling we're going to need to have fashionable masks because I have a feeling everyone's going to be wearing masks after this. Well, I bought three, so okay. I, I have a couple. Uh, yeah. I don't even want that gives me anxiety thinking about that, so let's not talk about that. Um, no, I think, I think it's just the new normal. I don't like that as my new normal. So is what it is. That will kill dentists. No. <laughs> Okay, let's wrap up. We are going, we're spiraling. All right, everyone have a great week. Okay, good night.